This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. We're going to talk tonight about how to how to walk by faith, not by sight. I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore. Here's a really good one. Faith Food Devotions for Summer by Brother Hagen. And I love his devotions, I think, more anybody I've ever seen, because every day... I call it bite-sized nuggets. It's not chicken nuggets. It's, this is for, for real winter nuggets, <laughs> not chickens. But anyway, for these nuggets in here, every day, he's got a simple little devotion, got a scripture or two with it, and they're all about faith and healing and winning and financial victory, family victory, how to walk in love and things like that. And especially for people that are working on the run, it's so easy in the morning time while you're doing the little things you do, get ready to get out of the house to stop and spend two, three, four, five minutes going over this and looking at it, and then thinking about that scripture as you go to work, thinking about those things in there. But anyway, that's how you build faith. How's faith come? By hearing the word of God. So you may you may not have all kinds of extra time to really get into it, but I'll tell you what, taking that little vitamin from the word there really helps. And then here's another book by Brother called What Faith Is. What Faith Is. And like Pastor Dave said this morning about the love walk, the whole world uh, has all kinds of definitions of what they think love is, but God tells you what love is, but God tells you what faith is. And uh, I like Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, in uh, the Moffat's translation, it says, Faith is being confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. And the Amplified Bible in that same verse says, Faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. And so the Word of God, the Word of God is the truth, and the Word of God will change the facts. Amen. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. What I mean by that's this. It may be a fact you've been diagnosed with a serious sickness or disease, but the truth is by His stripes you were healed. And you begin to enact <clears throat> the Word of God, speak it, confess it, and have confidence by His stripes you were healed, then there will come a point in time that doctor will say, you know what, like he did with me, Looked in the microscope finally about that blood cancer. And basically what the lady said, here's what I said she was always going to say, but she said it in her words. I said, they're going to keep on looking at that microscope instead of seeing cancer. And I told you guys this was going through. I said, they're going to come a point in time. She's going to look in there. Says, I don't understand this. First Peter 2.24. Your blood work says First Peter 2.24. Come a point in time. She said, you don't have any cancer. You're normal, normal, normal. Amen. And so that was the truth. The truth was, I was already healed. And it changed the facts to where the facts agreed with the truth. That's good preaching. I'll tell you what. Doing better preaching already than you are shouting. And, you know, I'm just so excited to be in my own church. To where people love me. They receive what I've got to say. Because the Lord's getting ready to send me and miss pastors some other churches. They're going to love us too. But you, you're already conditioned. You're already set up to receive like that. And I was thinking of this worship of God. We're getting ready to have a birthday party in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I think about that. I told Pastor Dave about having this party. I said, I said, it's not for me. I said, our people need a time to get together and celebrate. I said, this is a good time to just get the whole family together. and We'll just rally together. And so I said, we can have a birthday party. I said, a 70th birthday is a pretty, 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 pretty big deal. It's not, it's not for me really, it's for you, because I love you. I want us together, celebrate together. But as we was worshiping God a minute ago, I got to thinking, 
Who was here back on Sunday night on July 17th? That's my birthday, 2005. I know two people were, three people were. Was anybody else here in the church on July? There's, there she is. Yeah, Cindy had to have been here. And so we had some people here on the PM service, July 17th, my birthday, 2005. And you know what took place that day? They had some tables set up up here. And me and, past, me and Mrs. Pastor set up here and we took questions from the congregation. They wanted to know who we were, what we believed, etc., etc., because they wanted to vote for us to be their pastors or not. So we sat there and we had a couple of religious people that kind of just weird. But the rest of them were pretty honest, sincere questions. And I felt like a presidential candidate or something. You know, the politicians, they have these things where people ask them stuff. That's what we felt like. We was up here and we didn't know if this church was going to receive us or not. But that night they voted. Had one religious person that said no. The rest of them all said yes. And this religious person said no because I didn't believe in the Sabbath was for today, the Saturday, that everything had to stop on Saturday. And she asked me that. I said, no. I said, that's Old Testament, but it's not for today. He didn't like the answer. But anyway, what I'm saying is this. July 17th is a very special day for me. Not only is it my birthday, but that's the day that God, God, not people, God, motivated me to be the pastor of High Desert Word Center. Amen. 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 And, and I'm just, you know, I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm really excited about the times we live in. Because I know, because I know with all the lies and deception there is in the world today, I know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that Jesus saved me from all the stuff that I was into. I know that Jesus has healed me, my family. He's prospered us. And, you know, I joked with one of the young people a while ago, Mr. Jojo. I talked about my birthday. I said, Jojo, how am I going to be? And he said, I don't know. I said, well, Pastor Dave just said, wasn't you listening? <laughs> but anyway, I said, well, I'll give you a clue. It starts with a seven. He said, 73? I said, do I look 73? I said, man, why didn't you say 50? Well, Pastor, you don't even look 50. You look younger than that. I said, thank you, Joe. You get the prize. Hey, man, but I'll tell you what, the Word of God is good, and all those addicts and depressed people that you know, we have got the truth, and I'm going to fire you up tonight, and just really, uh, like I said so many times, if this don't light your fire, your wood's all wet. Amen. So how to walk by faith, not by sight. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Hallelujah. And I refuse... To let you stay depressed if you are. Or to be doomy and gloomy. Man, I'll tell you what. you got, It's so much easier on Sunday night than Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, it seems like people still try to get out of the fog of Saturday or something or whatever they're doing. But on Sunday night, people's alive. they got something going on where they want something. It makes it a lot easier to teach the Word of God. But I want to say this. Uh, Pastor Dave this morning, he finished his series on covenant people taught on three keys to walking in the covenant. And if you were here this morning, you heard those three keys. The first one was faith. The second key was love. And the third was obedience. Well, I want to look a little deeper, a little closer into the faith walk tonight, because that's an absolute, an absolute must if you're going to live in victory in this life. 
Faith works by love. But like Pastor Dave said, faith like having the car, but the love puts the gas in it. But then, Dave, I just think him just fresh thought right now. What good would it do to have two cans of gasoline walking down the road, but no car to put them in? Walk up to a gas pump and put your little debit card in the gas pump, pull it out like that, and start squirting gas on the ground. You gotta have faith for the love to work. And so there's a lot of people that love people, they don't know what faith is. So they love people, but they still lose. Because they don't know what faith is. That's all fresh stuff, Dave. I just saw that. Amen. So we gotta we got we gotta walk in love, but at the same time you gotta have faith for your love to have something to make it work. Amen. Leah, that's good preaching. Amen, amen, amen. Don't forget my Orioles. Okay, I didn't see them a while ago, but that's okay. I'll get them. She's my oil supplier. <laughs> Second Corinthians, I told you I'm having fun. It's my church. Are we having fun? Second Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. And I hope you're taking notes or got something to write on, because I'm, I'm going to give you some things out of this verse that's going to help you better understand what that means. I, I, I learned these things years ago, and here's how I always like to quote this verse. We walk by faith, not by sight. I say it this way, I live by the word, not by my senses. Because if you're walking by faith, you're living in faith in the word. Confidence in what God said. And so I always say, I live by the word, not by my senses. I live by the word, not by my feelings. I live by the word, not by my feelings. I live by the word, not by my emotions. Not by my emotions. Not by my emotions. So many people, so many people, man, they're roller coaster Christians, I used to call them. Roller coaster Christians. Man, they're just up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. Or I used to also call them yo-yo Christians. Man, they're just up and down, up and down, up and down. When you're walking by faith and not by sight, when you're not living by your emotions, when you're not living by your feelings, you're steady. You know, I've, 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 I've told believers for years where they're going through things, like going through doctor things, you know, going through uh, tests and stuff like that, and things look serious. I say, when you go in and see the doctor, they give you test results. If they give you a really good report and say, hey, man, things change looking good. I said, don't get too excited. Say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I said, because the next time you go in, they might say, you know what? We don't know what happened. Man, this thing really went bad. This thing's not looking good. Say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You stay consistent because your confidence, your confidence is what God says, not what outside circumstances say. You know, if uh, something happens, your job says, you know what? We're going to give you a promotion. Or you're going to make more money and we're going to do this. Say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Might come in next week and say, you know what, man, we took a big hit this week. We're going to lay you off. Say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're not living by emotions. Do your emotions get hit when you get a bad report? Absolutely they get hit. But if you're living out of faith of the Son of God in your heart, like Galatians 2.20 says, Paul said, Galatians 2.20 said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. When your faith is in the Son of God, whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's always praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. I love you. 
And you know, I know that I was thinking about before we came to California. I just remember this. Uh, I, 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 I pastored for a lot of years, had a lot of good things. But long story short, I took a truck driving job while I was pastoring the last few years I was there to help make things work. I was going through hard times. And then the Lord really dealt with me to quit that job so he could promote me where he wanted me to go in the ministry. And when you still got two kids at home, we had Joe and Ann at home. I still needed income, didn't have a whole lot of people in the church. There wasn't a lot going on. Well, kids still like to eat. And cars still need gas. And the light company still wants paid. So we had to have income from somewhere. But the Lord really, really dealt on me to get away from that job. And I tried to quit it three times over the course of the year. And the boss didn't want me to. He kept making things better and better to stay because he really what he loved was my anointing. He'd have sick truck drivers want me to go to the hospital to pray for him when I got in off my runs. I mean, he really loved my anointing. And finally, the last time I told him, I said, I said, this is it. I said, I'm out of here. I got to get out of here. And I walked off the job. I had to go, but I tried for a year and he wouldn't replace me. He just wanted to keep me. So anyway, in that season, we got our tax check back and it was a real tax check. We had to come back because so we paid taxes. It wasn't a gift. It was my money coming back to me. You know, so many people say, well, we're getting a tax refund. How much tax did you pay? We didn't pay it. It's not a refund. It's a gift. There's a difference. So anyway, we got the tax money back, and I'll never forget this. I looked at that money for whatever it was. I knew that was enough to sustain us for a few weeks. And boy, I'll tell you what, I watched that money. I held all that money, and I very, very, because we didn't have any other income, I very seriously watched that. And one day, the Lord spoke these words to me, and she printed it out on a piece of paper. We put them on every wall and every room in the house. And the Lord said this, there's plenty more where that came from. I realized that did not come from the IRS, the Treasury Department. I realized that came from God. And so when he told me that, that has carried me through on every need in life financially. I know there's plenty more where that came from. God may have used the Treasury Department to give me my money back that time, but next time he might use you. Or next time he might use some kind of other thing coming in from somewhere like that. So when you get your confidence in things like that, you say, praise the Lord. If you don't have a job, say, praise the Lord if you get a promotion. As long as your eyes are on him, he will use whoever or whatever he wants to take care of you. Amen. Well, you can clap. You know, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not the first dead church in Southern California. <laughs> we're, we're a living word church. And so... I live by the word, not by my senses. I live by the word, not by my feelings, not by my emotions. My emotions will not control me. I have emotions because God gave them to me, but I don't let my emotions control me. I cry. I laugh. Sadness tries to come on me if somebody I love dies or something like that happened, but I'm not going to let emotions destroy me. You know, that's something, you know... Some, some, some people over the years I've seen get deceived about death and emotions, and they think that faith people don't cry. Well, the whole thing about it is God gave you emotions. It's like a fuse. You know, if you get overloaded in your electric and you blow a fuse, well, it had to blow or your house would have burned up. Somebody dies, something happens, God gave you emotions to be able to cry it out so you don't blow up. Amen. But then you don't stay in a ditch for the next 40 years because somebody went to heaven. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so anyway, 
there's a phrase that I like to say quite a bit. The word always works when you work the word. And so we're talking about walking by faith, not by sight. The word works if you work the word. And you know what that's called? Pastor Dave's third thing this morning, that's called obedience. When you obey the word, the word's going to work, so the word works when you work it. And it's easy to have a good confession when everything's going right. You know, you, we all see each other at church like that. Praise the Lord. Doug, how you doing? Man, blessed, prosperous, fortunate, be envied. Everything's awesome. Well, then, see, somebody else said the same thing last week, but this week, they just don't feel good. They don't feel right. How you doing? Well, how you doing? Well, how you doing today? I thought you was blessed, fortunate, prosperous to be envied. You're not that anymore? I don't feel like it. Oh, you felt like it last week. Your feelings have nothing to do with what the Word of God says. You know, I, I like a little story that Keith, anybody know who Keith Moore is? Got a church out in uh, Missouri now, Branson. But I remember Keith, when he used to teach Hill and School at Rama. He, he was a regular person like us, still is. But he's got a pretty big church, pretty famous right now in the, in the Christian world. But he got, he started off at Rama by getting to drive Brother Hagin around. When Brother Hagin went somewhere, he got to drive his car. He ended up teaching the healing school, leading worship and a lot of things. But he said he first started driving, said they got in the car one day, and Brother Hagin's in the back seat. said, so all of a sudden, Brother Hagin goes, whoo, whoo, did you feel that? And he said, I just heard the story again recently. He said, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I got this prophet of God back here. He's a powerful man of God. And I don't feel anything. I don't want to lie. So he said, finally, you go, no, sir, I didn't feel anything. And Brother Hank said, I didn't either. I just tested you. <laughs> and I said that to say this for you. When I was a baby Christian, I used to go to a church, and this woman preacher, which things would go wrong, she'd feel, she'd feel the spirit moving, you know, like they do a lot of them, you know, they get, anyway. She'd say, if you don't feel that, you're not saved. And I remember I'd sit in my seat, and I'd think, I didn't feel anything, but I know I'm saved. About every time she'd feel something, something, something move, she'd say, if you don't feel that, you better get up this altar and get saved. Well, I've learned over the years, I've been in some of the most powerful meetings in the world with some of the most big time Holy Ghost preachers I've ever seen. And man, looks like everybody's getting blessed but me. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, Lord, let me feel, I don't feel anything. Well, you know what? I was walking by faith, not by feelings. You know, when you're in our church services, you know, whether it's somebody else preaching, and all of a sudden, man, you're seeing people get slayed in the Spirit, and people jumping up and down and dancing, things happen. You sit there feeling, feeling like a bump on a log. They're just feeling, sitting there feeling absolutely dead. You just worship God by faith anyway. You don't have to make stuff up. Just because you don't feel something on the outside doesn't mean you don't have the life of God on the inside. That's walking by faith, not by sight. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm helping you. I want to help you because we're talking about walking by faith, not by sight. You don't always feel things. And you know what I found out? How many have ever seen the poem, Footprints in the Sand? You ever seen that where, where the guy uh, had that dream, the end of his life, and he saw, and the, and the Lord said, I want to show you this. And he saw him walking down this beach, and a lot of times there's one set of prints. And the man said, Lord, how come at the most difficult times, 
I'm walking by myself. I see one print. Lord said, that's not you. That was me carrying you through that. And so what I found is this. My most horrible seasons of life I've went through, it always seemed like it sounded like my prayers were hitting the wall and wasn't going anywhere. It seemed like nothing was happening. But you know what? That's the time that your faith is at its highest level. Because you're walking by faith and you don't feel anything. You don't see anything happening. That's the time your faith is really working because God's looking at you down here. He's seeing you and he knows that demons are trying to destroy your family. Amen. The devil's trying to take you out, want to make you backslide. I want to say that again. Want to make you backslide. And you know what? I've always said those times hit me. I said, no, I'm going to front slide. I'm going to front slide right on in. I'm going to hit a home run. I'm going to slide right into the home plate, man. I'm going to slide with this thing do it God's way. So I want to say it again. If you're at a place in life right now where it just feels like, what's the use? What's the use? You stick with it. Your faith right now is pleasing God because you're not living by feelings. You're not living by emotions. You're living by faith in God because you know He's real. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And so anyway, it's easy to have a good confession when things are going good and everything's working. But if you're going to walk by faith and not by sight, you've got to train yourself. You probably need to write those words down. Train yourself to do what King David did in the Bible, I'm going to show you. you did you know that uh, disciple... Is where discipline comes from. Discipline. Disciples, a disciplined person. Christians that are true disciples are disciplined. They discipline themselves to live right, to believe right, to talk right, to walk in faith and walk in love just as a second, second reflex. It's just reflective action. You know, I know that, uh, I, I heard Dr. Barker, somebody talking recently, recently about being in the military. Well, Frank's a military guy. Robert's a military guy. Probably have some more in here, I guess. I don't know. But military people, that's why they have exercises. They train, and they train, and they train, and they train. Because when you're out there getting shot at, bombs are dropped, bad things are going on, you don't have time to think what to do. It better be reflective. Not only does your life depend upon it, but a lot of other people's lives depend on how you react. As Christians, you've got to train yourself. You've got to discipline yourself. The things that we look at tonight, you've got to discipline yourself but out of reflex. Bad report comes just immediately. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're good. Hallelujah. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. And talk scriptures out loud instead of, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, what are we going to do? Because you know what? I think about myself when I got hit uh, back in 2018. You know, I just got, got a picture out there in the hallway. I'm glad you're not stopping looking at that picture and saying, man, he was a good pastor. He was a good man of God. You know, people would have been affected. I mean, uh, a lot of you would have eventually got over it. But I know that by me staying and passing that test, I've blessed a whole lot more people. And so my life, my life, my life, if I had the reflective action, been trained how to handle uh things that when I was under attack, all those fiery darts, 
for the cancer, the heart attack, things were hitting me. If I hadn't had training in that and discipline in that, I could have died. And it would have just affected me. i got a whole front row here for little grandchildren and stuff. And i got grandchildren around the country. You know what? They need grandpa. Not because, not because I'm some old boozer going to teach them how to drink, how to gamble, or how to do dope. I'm a man of God. I'm an example. I just had a little granddaughter stay with me for three weeks. I was telling Mrs. Pastor yesterday, I realized how much of an influence I was, as she was, on this granddaughter these three weeks she was with us. My grandma, my grandma Price that's in heaven, I realized more and more what an what, what, what a influence grandma was on me. My family was all sinners. And Grandma Price took me to church all the time when I was a kid, took me to church, took me to church, got me hooked up with God. And now this many years later, that grandma from 60 years ago is the one that made me the man of God I am today because she connected me with God by her example. Grandmas, grandpas, don't think that what you're doing is in vain. Amen. Don't teach them how to cuss. Don't teach them how to smoke. Don't teach them how to chew. Don't teach them how to drink. Teach them how to pray over their food. Teach them, teach, amen. Teach them how to lay hands on the sick. Teach them how to say, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. Teach them to say, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power to love and a sound mind. Amen. Amen. That's what we do. And so anyway, go ahead, clap. First Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'm teaching you how to walk by faith, not by sight. How to live by the word, not by your senses. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And, you know, I know that, I don't know about you. You know, I've got a, I've got a physical birthday coming on July 17th. But my most important birthday is January 29th, 1980. You know, I'm 41 years old in the spirit. I live in a 70-year-old body, but the real me that lives in here is 41. And so I know that in 41 years lived for Jesus, it hasn't all been fun. We have had lots of crisis. We've had lots of challenges. We've had lots of things try to destroy us. You don't know how many times the devil tried to get us to quit the ministry. But we've learned to do what I'm teaching tonight. And if you look and, and really listen to what we're saying tonight, and you're tempted to quit your marriage, tempted to quit your job, tempted to quit your church, tempted to walk out on life, listen to these things, and I'll show you how to walk by faith and not by sight and make it through. And let me tell you something. Every time you pass a test, you grow. You grow. You don't grow by failing. You grow by passing. If you don't have a test, how could you ever pass? You know, I was thinking about when, when, our, when our kids were little, the house we had out in the country, we, uh, we, you know, we lived in a real old house, about 100 years old. It had this woodwork about that wide. And by the basement door, we started lining little Davy up. And of course, he's Pastor Dave now. But he was little Davy. And we started lining little Joshy up. He's Joshua, the music minister now. He was little Joshy. And little Joe, little Joe's the big fight marine now, but he was little Joe. And little Annie Fanny. But anyway, they all grew up. But we had this on the door there. Every every so often we would measure them, put a mark, and put their name on it. 
it's amazing by the time we sold that house how those marks went up. Because they grew. You don't realize your kids are growing till you measure them and see them growing. Well, at the same, at the same way, God is watching you grow. Amen. The New Testament says your faith groweth. And so your faith doesn't grow unless you use your faith when you're being tested. I don't know about you. I, I, went, I went from sore throat faith when I was a baby Christian to cancer killing faith. Amen. I, 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 went from, I went from getting a cold faith to heart attack faith to get healed of a heart attack. Don't you want your faith to grow? No matter what goes on, your faith to grow where you can just grow and grow and grow to where no matter what comes your way, you can not only help yourself but help those around you. And so anyway, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'm going to read these first six verses and talk about it. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south at Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. And so that's his hometown. That's his place where his family's people were. And they'd taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small. They carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their dogs were taken captives. Man, that's time for major depression, isn't it? I mean, that is a serious hit. Have you ever had your family hit by things? I know that we went through hits before where, man, one after another, we think, man, this can't get any worse for making good confessions. And guess what? The next week it got worse. And we're confessing, we're believing. And the next week it got worse. Has anybody ever went through those times where man you think nothing else could happen? It's like dominoes, man. Things are crashing all around you. Verse 4. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept till they had no power to weep. Have you ever been to a place where you cried so much you couldn't cry anymore and it hurt? I've been down that road before as a Christian where I cried and it hurt. And David's two wives were taken captives. And he owned whatever her name was in the Jell or whatever, Abigail, the wife, Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. Well, I guess so. Man, all your stuff's burned up. All the women, kids are carried off. And it looks like the enemy's winning. Has anybody ever been in a battle where it looks like the enemy was winning? But we're singing that song like we sang a while ago. We know you'll do it again. Hey, Amen. It says, and, 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 and the people spake of stoning him. Man, I'll tell you what, I've been around before where I was that leader, a pastor, and some people got so disgusted about the way things go in the church, I felt like David, man, these guys would have stoned me if they could. You, you, may, you may not know it or not, but leaders, when things are going good, whether the leader's responsible for how good they're going or not, they get the credit, everybody loves a good leader because things are going good for them. But things are going bad, whether it's the leader's fault or not, Everybody gets mad. And so leaders have to be able to do what David's getting ready to do because all this stuff happens and all David's doing is trying to help him. And man, he's getting depressed just like they're depressed. His family got carried off too. His house and his stuff got burned up too. And so I stand around rallying around and said, hey Dave, man, we're with you. We're this thing together. Let's do it. They say, let's stone him. Man, that's a good temptation to quit, isn't it? Have any of you, besides me, 
ever been through something, well, maybe some of your families not serving God got mad at you because they thought you were living wrong because you were following God, but things looked bad. That's happened in my life before where I've got family. I'm not talking about my family, but extended family that didn't think I was doing right, but my family, that's some kind of religious nut because things didn't look good at the time. Amen or oh me. I've been down that road. And so it says, David was greatly distressed for those people, people spake and stoned because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That's a spiritual discipline you've got to develop. Man, I'll tell you what, there may be a time you're a darkest star, but nobody has confidence you're going to make it. Financially, family-wise, health-wise, kids, whatever it is. And so, think about this. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, if, if you encourage someone else, what are you doing? You're talking to them. You know, if, if Robert and Susan took a hit and something bad was going on, and I, I, and I encouraged him, I wouldn't just sit around and look at him depressed. <laughs> Robert, I know God's good, but you guys brought this on yourself. Don't you know you reap what you sow? It's your fault. He's not going to help you this time. That's not encouraging. You know, if I was going to encourage them, I'd say, Robert, don't you forget. God rebukes the devourer for tithers. Faith works by love. Cast out away your confidence. Has great recompense reward. You walk by faith, not by sight. I'm speaking some words out to Robert and Susan to encourage them. If you're going to encourage yourself in the Lord, you're not going to sit around tripping over your bottom lip. You're going to talk to yourself. How can you encourage yourself if you're not talking? Who do you think wrote a bunch of psalms about victory? King David. What did David say to the giant? What did David say? David told the giant, with God's help, I killed a lion. With God's help, I killed a bear. And with God's help, I'm taking your head off, giant. If you're going to encourage yourself in the Lord, you got to say some things to the giant. If you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord, you're going to have to go through the Psalms and read some things and speak some things and don't just talk about David, talk about you, put your name in there. You know, I, I recall as I was writing this message out a while ago, the first time that I know for sure God talked to me was back in February of 1980. I got born again January 29th. I got baptized with the Holy Ghost on February the 4th. And then... This was all brand new stuff to me. I was like you were, Frank. You started coming around here. You didn't know anything about anything. Been to a lot of church, but you didn't know anything. And so, I didn't know anything about anything. And God said to me, just as plain as he ever has since then, he said, son, go to Psalms 18. Go ahead and go there. He said, go to Psalms 18. And I did. He gave me the first three verses. And I'll never forget this. He said, this is your psalm. He said, you'll need this all the days of your life on earth. I've always went back to Psalms 18 in times of crisis. And I've gone to Psalms 18 
in times of non-crisis. You know why? Because I got a word from God for me. And no matter what's going on, I always go back to Psalms 18, these first three verses. Now get, get this. I've been doing this 41 and a half years now. God has talked to me a lot about a lot of things. But just as clearly as I hear myself talking through these speakers now, he talked to me in my spirit. He said, he said these words to me. It's the first time I ever heard him. He said, son, this is your psalm. He said, you will need this all the days of your life. And so when I need to encourage myself in the Lord, I go to Psalms 18. And this is first person to me. I say this. I say, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Immediately, I sense in my spirit strength starts coming into me. The Lord, you're my rock. You're my fortress. You're my deliverer. You're my God. You're my strength. In you, I will trust. You're my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and you're my high tower. I will call upon you, Lord, for you're worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to say that glory to God. That encourages me. That's the Holy Ghost through the Word of God giving me strength and victory. Amen. I remember times I went through stuff, I felt like such a loser, such a wiener, such a nothing. And when I start reading that psalm out, all of a sudden I feel the strength of God in my heart start coming into me. And then I get down to that last part, he'll save you from my enemies. I say, glory to God, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Come against the armies of the living God. Giant, your head's coming off. And you know what's happened? Every giant, every giant that's ever tried to destroy me or my family, they've went down and we're still standing. You know, the world's got a saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. The bigger the test, the bigger the crisis, the bigger your testimony. You know what? I I just, I, I think about my son, Joe. Joe is so cool the way he helps sometimes it doesn't know how he's helping. Joe was off in the Marines. I got that diagnosis about the blood cancer. And so, you know, wanted to inform my kids what was going on. I said, uh, Joe, and he was wherever he was, you know, somewhere with the Marines. I said, I said, uh, Joe, just need to let you know. I said, we're not afraid. We've got God's word, and you know that we serve him. And this is going to turn out right. But I said, I've been diagnosed with stage four blood cancer. My blood has 70% cancer in it. And, you know, there's not much good blood at all because it's mostly full of cancer. And I'd always testified for years I preached about David getting hit of leukemia. Pastor Dave got hit of leukemia. You know what Joe said when I said that? Well, Dad, good thing is you'll have your own testimony now. <laughs> I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> he wanted to put a positive spin on it. <laughs> And I said, I said, Joe, I don't want my own testimony. I did want my own testimony, but I didn't want to hear that. I think about that, but I said that to say this to you. If you're facing something impossible right now, and if it doesn't look good, I got good news for you. You're going to have your own testimony. Amen. You pass this test, you got the testimony. If you fail, all you got is the monies.
Well, isn't that so? Amen. And so David's the one encouraged himself in the Lord. And I'm, I'm going to close by Second Timothy, chapter one, verse six and seven. Actually, I'm not going to close. I see one more place I've got to go to. But Second Timothy, chapter one. Is this actually helping anybody? Encouraging you? And you know the thing about it. What I've learned. When you hear something like this, if you don't need it right now, store it for the future. Because you might need to call upon this a little ways down the road, or down the road you remember things like this. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 7. Uh, when David, talked about David encouraged himself with the Lord, Paul said it this way. says this, uh, Wherefore I put the remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. You Stir up the gift of God. You stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us, and I always read it this way, God has not given me the spirit of fear, power and of love and of a sound mind. And so obviously, Timothy was being hit with fear about life. Because the Holy Spirit through Paul told Timothy, you stir up the gift. Jojo, do you ever stir up the gift? I know you do. And so, just get this. Don't look to somebody else always to bail you out. You know, what I've told people for years, you know, Christians should not be dependent on the prayer line. When you're a baby Christian, know nothing. Praise God, there's prayer lines you can call. There's people who say, I need you to pray for me. There will come a point in time where you give your number and say, call me for prayer. Well, I'll tell you what I learned as a pastor about these things I'm teaching you now. Uh, praise God that Pastor Dave and Katie, Josh and Julie, and a lot of you have got this thing down. You take care of the babes and the people in the church. But when I was a baby pastor, I found out more than once. After a long day preaching on Sunday, oh, glory to God, we get to rest Monday's day off. I can think of a couple times, 3 o'clock in the morning, crying on the telephone when it rang, Pastor. Can you get up here to the hospital? <laughs> he just had a heart attack. They don't think he's going to make it. Pastor, uh, can you get over here? Just had an aneurysm. That doesn't look good. Talk about walking by faith and not by sight. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I preached all day long. Did all the other stuff I did in the ministry to help people like that. I've got a family. I've got kids. I feel like I got, I've got about, I said, feel, I feel like I've got about as life of God in me as a, as, as, as a dead doorknob. But you know what happens? Mrs. Pastor, I've told her so many times back then when we were young in the ministry, I'd throw the britches on. And I always believed in dressing upright. I'd put the suit and tie on. Look like a man of God. You know, they're men of God now. I guess they look however they want to, but I was just always taught to respect the ministry. I was always taught to, Brother Hagin said, dignify the office. He said, the office of pastor needs to be dignified. And so I would get dressed up, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd make the 30, 40 mile trip up to Indianapolis. Get there 4 o'clock in the morning, go walking in there and see all these people sitting around, basket cases, crying their eyeballs out, hurting because somebody they loved was dying and went to my church. And I'd go up there, man, I'd put the, I'd put the 
You know, the best smile on my face about being phony smile because somebody's hurt like that. You can't just give the big one. You've know, got to have some sparkle in your eye. And then walk in there knowing that I'm a man of God. I've got the anointing of God in me. I go in there and say, guys, we're going to turn this around. I'm going to lay hands on him. And Jesus is going to heal him. You think so? No, I don't think so. I know so. Jesus told me, well, I lay hands on him. In his name, he'll heal him. And every time I saw it happen. Do you think I felt like it? <laughs> Man, I felt like my head was SpongeBob. Whatever a SpongeBob is, I've just heard about that. <laughs> I felt spongy in the head. I felt like, like that, but I walked by faith, not by sight. I stirred up the gift that was in me. How many, how many of you have the Holy Spirit in you? Well, for you that don't, we'll get you filled tonight. But if you got the Holy Spirit in you, Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, the Holy Spirit is a gift. That's so you've got a gift in you anyway. If you don't know anything else you got, you got the Holy Spirit. It says you've got to stir up that gift within you. And so, anyway, when you're hit with fear of failure, stir up the gift. And there's lots of ways to do this. You can sing. Start singing. Anything about Jesus. Sing the church songs you know. Uh, don't start singing country music. I mean, man, don't do that. Unless it's country gospel, I guess. Don't start singing some Led Zeppelin or something. But, but uh, sing, praise, worship God. What did David do in the Psalms? A lot of that was singing praise and worship. Rejoice by rehearsing past victories like David did. Rejoice. You know, Mrs. Pastor and I, over the years, we've had to sometimes go back to times that our churches were hit and say, Lord, I want to thank you. You brought us through that. When key people left because he was offended and was going through a current church hit, Lord, I want to thank you. You replaced them. Every time somebody left, you replaced them with five more. Every, every time somebody bailed out on us and stoned us on the way out, thank you, Jesus. You raised up more. You raised up more. Every time finances personally got hit, Lord, you came through. You came through. You came through. Like that song we just sang. He'll do it again. You've got to do that to encourage yourself in the Lord. You know, the devil always likes to say it this way. Not this time. You know, the little, what I used to hear that little demon say to me? Well, the Lord, I really heard this. I'm not making this up. I'd hear this little voice. Well, Jesus said he'd be with you till the end. This is the end. That little live spirit would tell me that. Be going through things, and I hear that little thing like a little cartoon voice. He says, with you till the end. This is the end. And then I go to Walmart. And Walmart says, sign always. And then I'd hear this. God is faithful always. He always calls us to triumph. You hear what I'm saying? There's little things that God will use to help you, but you've got to allow him to. And so you can do those things. And then what I do I go through the New Testament, and I start looking at verses that mean something to me. I go to Philippians 1, 6, and it says, Being confident of this very thing, he which hath begun a good work in me will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. 
And when I see that, I say, Lord, it's so good to know you're not finished with me because you said you'll finish what you started. You hear what I'm saying? These verses you find. I look at Philippians 2.13. It says, For it is God which worketh in me, both to will and to do if his good pleasure. 1 John 4.4 Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I want to tell you something. If you're going through a hit, crisis, depression, doom and gloom, if you start going through the Word of God and speaking those out loud, then all of a sudden you're going to see yourself rising up and rising up and rising up. And the next thing you're going to know, you're going to do what I've always done. Lord, is there somebody I can encourage? Is there some preacher I can send a text to right now and tell them don't quit? And I do that all the time. I'll be praying when things, things are trying to come my way. I say, Lord, who right now needs prayer? Who needs encouraged? Who can I help? And you know what? God anoints you when you need anointing to help somebody else. The anointing that God gives you is for the most part for them. And so if you're not looking out for them, then he has no reason to anoint you. Does this help anybody? Well, I will close it right there because I, I, I can tell it's time, it's time to start widening it down. But anyway, write down June 20 and June 21. Just write it down for your notes. June 20, June 21. And, and uh, Jude said, building up yourself as your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That I keep you in the love of God. And so probably, unconsciously, that's the biggest thing I do to stay, stay built up is praying in tongues. I pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. Mrs. Pastor says, go through Walmart, you got to watch out, you get too loud, people looking at you. But you know what that is? That's my inner man commuting with God, praying out divine secrets. And that keeps me built up in my most holy faith. And Dr. Barclay always says it this way, you need to pray in tongues at least 15 minutes every day. And so if you're consistent speaking in the spirit person, you're going to stay strong. Amen? Well, that's what I've got for you. That's how you walk by faith, not by sight. Don't be an emotional person. Live by your emotions, by your feelings. If you're having a good day, say praise the Lord. If you're having a bad day, say praise the Lord. Let everything has breath. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Well, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.